0: Better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. You don't have to be. Well, hi folks, welcome to another edition of the Survival Podcast. Today is Wednesday, June the first, 2022. Tick tock, tick tock. The clock ticks for us all in a 12 month year. We just entered month six by the end of this month, halfway through 2022. Does that scare you a little bit? It should. You should be building your self-sufficiency, self-reliance, independence, and personal liberty because if you're not, time itself is moving you backwards. Remember, life is not a sliding scale. It doesn't work that way. You either move forward or you move backwards by remaining static because life moves on Time moves on whether we do or not. I got good news for you, though. Today, we're going to talk about a lot of things that will help you with that in a mindset way. Uh, today's show is called Homesteading is a Gateway Drug with Andrew Joe. And if something's a gateway drug, what is it a gateway drug to? Well, it is a gateway drug to a lot of things. But today, we're going to talk about how it is a gateway drug into a full, intentional Lifestyle design. We're going to talk about men mentoring other men, especially older men mentoring younger men. And we are going to talk about building a life you want no matter what happens. And I've got a really inspiring guy I'll be bringing on in just a moment. We did this as a live stream and it was fantastic. It was better than I even expected it to be. Before we do that, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is knifekits.com. We're going to talk a lot about actually getting things done today. And one way that you are able to get things done is to develop skill sets and to be able to actually do things. Well, a great way to do that is pick simple projects that actually teach you a variety of skills along the way. Like, I don't know, building a knife. And while you're doing that, guys or gals, you can actually be building family heirlooms. I know if I had a knife, even a crappy one, because it was the first one I and my grandfather, for instance, had ever built. And I don't have one. But if I did, nothing would ever make me part with it. I can't think of... I can think of, like, one thing I own that I still have physical possession of, other than maybe some pictures. But one thing I can think of that I owned when I was a teenager, it's a rack from a seven-point buck that I shot with a bow when I was uh, 14 years old. I still have that. I can't think of anything else, and I could be wrong, but I can't think of anything else I physically can put my hands on today that's from my childhood. Not one thing. All the shit I had. This is an interesting thing for me. I really didn't think I would go this long with a sponsor segment, but I I, I can't think of anything. I guarantee you, if I and my grandfather, either of them, had built a knife together, I'd still own it. That's what KnifeKits.com can let you do. Build those skills. Build those family heirlooms. Maybe it turns into a hobby or a business, a side hustle full-time. Who knows? But check them out today at KnifeKits.com, and they do a discount for you MSV members. Next, building wealth. We're not going to go deep into that today. But actually, we are, because all the things we're talking about are forms of building wealth. We think of wealth in financial terms. That's what we think of it as. And that's part of it. Wouldn't it be great, though, if you could find a wealth advisor, an investment advisor, an investment manager, who understood that, that wealth was not only what we measured in dollars, but we measured in the value of our lives, That's who John Pugliano is with the Wealth Steading Podcast. So at the Wealth Steading Podcast, well, you'll hear a lot about which sectors to be invested into, how to protect yourself, et cetera, and geared toward that. You're dealing with a guy that truly is a prepper himself, a great guy, a mentor to many, and I mean a real prepper. Dude's even a a licensed ham radio operator. Learn more at wealthsteading.com. And with that, let's go ahead and dive on into this and uh, drop into the live feed. All right. And we are live. I have, uh, my special guest today, Andrew Joe. We're going to be talking about homesteading and we're going to talk about it as like a gateway drug to lifestyle design. And I guess Andrew has cracked the code as to what TSP is really all about. Cause that's the entire point. If I called it the lifestyle design podcast, nobody would have showed up back in 08, but, uh, kind of, it's kind of a trick. It's kind of a bait and switch, which is common for drug dealers. But what I want to start out with, Andrew is like, how did you end up even just, like, where you are in life? Like, you're spaced out in study hall or something, and, and I'm sure you weren't sitting there going, I want to be a homesteader someday. Like, what was your professional life like, and how did you end up kind of in this space at all?
1: Um, so it's it's funny that you asked that. Um, hurricanes and being bored as hell in a 9-to-5 job for oil and gas as a CAD designer. Um, I consume an unhealthy amount of podcasts and books. So, um, I, like I said, hurricanes kind of got me started on the path to preparedness. And then I found this book series written by Glenn Tate, 299 days. And in that, <clears throat> in that podcast or in that book, he talked about some show called the survival podcast. And so I was like, all right, well, I'll check that out since I've already listened to Alex Jones and all that other crap and uh i'm like wow so this guy kind of sounds like the uh dj at a strip club but he's got some good information so i think i'm gonna keep on listening and then you know (laughs) it went on for a couple of years and i finally told my wife for my anniversary i wanted to go to the tsp spring workshop in 2017 and she's like this is retarded but okay so we ended up going and uh, met a few really cool guys there, and we uh, we ended up starting and started the see knitting circle podcast, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty much here
0: now. So, so with that, I mean, I guess it was just a logical transition then to get into homesteading, right? Like, I mean, that's part of kind of where this this whole path leads. That whether you're on 80 acres in the backwoods or whether you have a, a little uh, urban uh, plot the people kind of move toward that direction to start to realize like there's an asset underneath my ass and I need to do something with it. Correct. So when I, when I had
1: my epiphany and I woke up and started listening to you guys, um, I had a house keyhole slot in a city, uh, in a cul-de-sac and it was a, you know, nice brick two-story house. The, uh, make mansion, you know, uh, american dream or whatever and i woke up to how unsustainable that was and i really didn't like people telling me when i had to mow my grass and stuff like there, stuff like that so uh we we cashed out our 401k and you know this crazy guy said that it was safer in real estate than it was in uh and being invested in the in the market so we cashed that out at our mid twenties. Every single person in our family told us that we were making a, the hugest mistake we've ever made in our lives, and we put it down on a piece of property. Uh, when we bought, we bought it ninety eight hundred an acre. It's now 30, forty thousand an acre. How's your four hundred one k doing in America? Um, so uh, we ended up selling a house and taking the proceeds from from that and putting the equity and uh, the proceeds into a land and construction loan, which was stressful because after they poured my slab. Um they were doing they were delivering the framing for my house and I my my boss called me in and told me that they didn't require my services anymore. So I got laid off with my entire life savings tied up in a construction process. So
0: Yeah, yeah and I just wanna real quick before we renew <laughs> the show, I said that you were much safer in real estate than the stock market then. That was a while yep. ago. I, I am not That recommend- was back in two thousand eight. <laughs> Yeah, don't sink large amounts of capital into real estate right now, this moment. Um, no. but at the time it was a really good switch play because real estate was depressed. Right. The market was about to be depressed. Right. Uh, right. yeah. So anyway, um, moving on, uh, what is your homestead like? Tell us about your homestead. I think everybody in uh, this audience loves to hear about other people's homesteads. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so it is a, Ten, almost ten and a half acres. Uh, we're a couple of hours south of you, closer to Houston. Uh, we have um, rabbits. We have horses. We have goats. We have chickens. Uh, we have three dogs on the homestead. So I have two dogs. And then Pat from Uncensored Tactical, who's been on a couple of times on TSP, um, he and his Dutch shepherd live with us. Uh and then we have all the little accoutrements and everything that, you know, we have fish in the aquaponics tanks and fish in the in the pond and stuff like that. So um it's a it's a proper farm
0: that requires a lot of work. Gotcha. And you had a heart attack. Um freaking Widowmaker <laughs> yeah. heart attack at thirty-seven. That's gonna yeah. have an impact on your life. Can you tell us about how that affected your life? Uh, Did it uh, probably, I think this happened before you started homesteading, because maybe that'll make you change some of your design decisions and things like that?
1: Um, So it it probably would have. I probably wouldn't have as much moving parts and probably not as much stress. Uh, But that happened last October. And um, Mm -hmm. since then, um, I've actually accelerated in my preparedness uh, and my preparedness plan and leaned into the homestead more because if something happens to me, I want it to provide for my family. So, but that was the uh, that was the scariest thing I've ever survived in my entire life, and nothing I could have done, you know, at eight ten years of a of a walk down my path to preparedness, nothing could have prepared me for that.
0: And not to dig too much into your personal life, but was this a a lifestyle issue? Was this a genetic defect? I mean, what 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 caused this? Um. So I have.
1: Some heart disease in my in my family, they're m- mostly uh, like self-inflicted gunshot wounds from poor lifestyle choices like drinking and smoking. Um, I was burning the candle at both ends. Um, I'm the busiest person all my friends know. Uh, I, I work all the time, um, really high stress jobs, even when I was not working in oil and gas, which a couple of weeks before I had my heart attack, I got laid off, which added to the stress. But then I had jumped right into my parallel career. Uh That's a part of my preparedness plan, which is having an extra means of income independent of a full-time job. Uh I was working, I mean, two days before, I was patrolling 14 miles on foot inside an open-air venue with a plate carrier on and a duty belt. And I still had what I thought was heartburn. And I'm like, eh, no big deal. It's just heartburn. We're going to get through it. And, <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't. So it was, you know, I, I was enjoying the craft beer a little too much i was eating whatever the hell i wanted because i was on my feet i'm young you know i can you know hey i'm still superman you know i'm not 50 yet i ain't gonna die so it uh it was a bunch of bad decisions you know five or six coffees or energy drinks a day just to keep going you know just poor poor decisions
0: It, it sounds awfully too familiar to me as you know i lost a metric shit ton of weight um part of my issue was the success with the show. It made it real easy to like kick off and have a beer at three o'clock every day, you know I mean? And, and fortunately I didn't have to have that moment like you did. And uh, I'm quite a bit older than you. So uh, I think there's a lot of that. We got lucky and you don't always get lucky. And I think that's a lesson for, for people out there that like part of lifestyle design is designing the body, not just the lifestyle, right? Because if you can have a, serious cardiac event at 37, you're not resilient.
1: No. no, it's, uh, it, it, I thought that I was, but, you know, the only thing resilient was the planning that I've done up until this point to survive, you know, a, a life altering event, you know, um, since then I've been, I've lost 45 pounds and, you know, I don't drink anymore. If it tastes good, I try not to put it in my mouth cause it'll kill me. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's what they told me. They were like, "Look, before you leave the hospital, you need to know if it tastes good when you put it in your mouth, it's gonna fucking kill you." So, yeah, it is what it is. I just dropped an f bomb, man. I hope that's not a problem.
0: No, that's dude. (laughs) We 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 explore the full beauty and color of the English language at TSP. It's always been that way. It always will. Um, uh, yep. tell us about you you put a lot of effort into your workshop on your homestead. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so this is another thing, man, where this crazy ass
1: dude on this podcast, he put out this episode and he's like, yo, stop talking about it and do it. And I'm like, man, Pat it uncensored tactical sent it to me. Another guy sent it to me and they're like, Hey, you gotta listen to what Uncle Jack just said. So I've been talking about doing a TSP style event at my property for two, three years, and um I finally just, I said, all right, you know what? I listened to that show 13 times in a row and I'm like, all right, I'm doing it. And then padded Uncensored tactical was like, go ask your wife for permission. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, shit. <laughs> so I, I <laughs> now go it's and ask real. her. real shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I go and ask her and, and I think we had like, oh uh, man, it was like seven, eight months to, to, from when the time she said yes to when it was go time. And then, you know, I email you. I email Nicole Sauce and I'm like, Hey, do you guys got a checklist that you go through? And both of you are like, nope, pull up your big boy pants and just make it freaking make it happen. You know, so I, uh, I did man and it's become my opus. It's, um, <laughs> I did the first one in April of, uh, 2021. So that was Texas 21. And then two weeks after I got laid off in, uh, in October, I took the show to Virginia at the request of my listeners. So Appalachia said that they would host us. And Appalachia came through in a way that I cannot express. They, My request to them was, show me your soul of your region through your food and your music. And they hosted us. And it was, it was everything I needed. And I'm glad I did it because I nearly died a couple of weeks later. And then we just finished one uh a couple of weeks ago same same week at float fest so you actually stole fortress canine from me and i saw pictures <laughs> of fortress canine hanging out with you after they left my event to go to float fest so yeah um you know it's 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 a lot of it it's it's really closely structured to the tsp events and the uh, the living free in tennessee events and it's got its own flair uh we insist on having the best feud food for Uncle Jack. We insist on having live music every time. Um, only talking about actionable information and, and skills that you can that you can use. Um, oh, my wife insisted that we have an ridiculously nice bathroom trailer at every event, so the bathrooms have to be air conditioned, and there's got to be a radio playing, and so. you Got me
0: right um, there. We do porta johns, man. I mean,
1: <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know, I know, but still, like, you're dude, you're the king of this. So it's like,
0: yeah,
1: I'm trying to make my own niche, you know. In the since I insist on having ladies and spouses as a part of this, like I offer a reluctant spouse discount, like I just. I can't do it without my family. So I make it affordable and I make it possible for people to bring their families and having those nice bathroom resources is, um, uh, it's, it's a non-negotiable. My wife already told me, if you're not getting a bathroom trailer, don't even do
0: the event. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, part of what kills me here is I don't have a uh sewer system to tie into, right? Like I can't yeah. put 90 people's, um, waste product into my right. septic system for a week. It's not doable. Uh, but we've right. tried to make it as, as best we can. And I, I think like part of what I love seeing people do is take what we do and then tailor it to their market, their place. And people ask me like, how did you come up with the way you do workshops? Cause it is a little bit different as you know. And it's, so I went to like everybody's workshop. I wrote down all the things that I thought were freaking stupid and all the things that bothered me. Then I fixed most of them. And then I went, oh, that's why they do that for the ones that I couldn't fix. And that's, that was basically all it was, was the reverse engineering. Like when I went to workshops and people were like, well, bring your own silverware and your plate and your bowl and shit. I'm like, that's nah. bullshit. I'm going to give this person 600 bucks and they're not even going <laughs> to let me eat off a plate. you like, No, we're not doing that. You know, that didn't make any sense. There was little things like that. And, you know, when I went to a a, a permaculture event and it was a very expensive event and, uh, dinner was, uh, broccoli with cubes of tofu. I was like, I, what, I, no, like honestly, if you have to do that, then you just need to say, okay, if you want better meals, then it's going to be an extra charge, or you just need to say right. like, "We're not doing meals." Go because I would have been much happier at the brew pub, right? I like we talked about how you know the good stuff will kill you or whatever, but we're talking about a yep. workshop here and getting away. And a lot of people when they do these things, like it's their vacation. Yes, and, and honestly, that's one of the things that for me when I do a workshop is most humbling that people will come spend that better part of a week with me instead of going skiing in Vail or something like that. It's, it's amazing to me. Um, and I, I would bet that having done this now you could attest to the community that it builds, the friendships and the bonds that it creates.
1: Absolutely. Um, one of my favorite things that happens at our, our, um, IKC events is, uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little emotional here cause it hits me hard. Um, <clears throat> the spontaneous affirmations of faith and then the bonding and fellowship that happens. And people are like, I came for all of the really cool stuff, like the homesteading and animal husbandry and everything. But they're like, I left with, I left with friends that I'll have for my entire life. You know, it's the connections are worth way more than any monetary price. I'm asking for a ticket straight up.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's why you get, people that when you do this, you do it right. They come back year after year after year. Absolutely. It's, it's kind and of, it's also humbling when you're like, well, who's been here before? And like half the hands go up and then you're like, who's been here more than three times. And like most of the hands stay up. You're like, wow, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it is humbling.
1: Yeah. And I didn't, you know, when I was planning this, I didn't think about people spending their vacation to, to come to the event. You know, I, uh, I had a couple who all shout out Matt and Casey. They drove in to the Texas event from Pennsylvania and wow. have asked me to go back to Pennsylvania in October to officiate their wedding because some freaking guy that I listened to <laughs> on a podcast told me to, told me to become a, a, a minister. And so, you know, hashtag not a cult, but yeah. they asked yeah. me to come officiate their wedding, which was, um, That was, that was astounding and very humbling. It, it hit me right in the feels, man. I, I just looked at him with tears in my eyes. I was like, yes, yes, I will do that. So yes,
0: everybody should be a minister. You can do it in minutes online. Go do it. If you want to get the pretty certificate printed out, give them a few bucks and they'll do that for you too. But, um, why not? Why not add that to what you can offer people? And why not add that to your own personal defense of, well, I would love to tell you what Andrew said to me, but I was acting as his minister at that time and I cannot reveal what he said. I'm sorry. Precisely. Right? Why not, why not add that to your repertoire? I mean, everybody should do it. If you're not a minister, go be one right now, folks. Uh, I think the site is ulc.org and, uh, you fill out yep. a form and, and it's legal. It's true. It's real. It's not a yep. scam. Just ask Andrew. He's, uh, he's brother Andrew, right? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, because I, I think at the at the end of or at the at the foundation of everything, right? We always talk about freedom and liberty and preparedness. None of those things mean anything without your right to privacy, mm. and then having the right to defend it all.
0: Agreed. Agreed. And status jujitsu means learning every move of the state and applying proper pressure at the proper point at the proper time. It's basic martial arts, right? Like this yes, applies sir. To like pattern recognition, you know? Um, yes, sir. How do you use homesteading or a topic like gardening? Because I know one of the things you're doing is you're deconstructing consumerism, right. uh, the hand-to-mouth programming that we experience in society. How do you tie those two things together?
1: Um, so normally I, you know, I approach people, um, about food, uh, because everybody eats. It's a universal trait we all share. Um, and I have no problem approaching a big swole guy at the gym or a gaggle of very attractive women because I'm like, Hey, you, you guys eat eggs. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, you want to buy eggs for directly from the source, like three weeks closer, or three weeks quicker than you can get them off the shelf at the store. And they're like, uh, yeah. Do you know somebody? I'm like, yeah, I do. I have a farm. I'm into homesteading. I raise my own animals, grow my own vegetables. And it's always, man, I've all, it's hook, line and sinker. So, but, um, you know, uh, I, I am into gardening. Um, I'm into beekeeping. Um, I totally forgot to tell you, I got bees on my property too. Um, but you know, just being out and around people, uh, I love actually bartending of all the freaking things. I'm a, I'm a pretty busy guy, but I just, I tell people about it, man. I prophesize about my lifestyle and people listen. And if I can get them hooked with and into a conversation with something about bees or dogs or, you know, growing chickens or vegetables or something like that it leads me to hey would you like to come do a homestead tour would you like to do a farm tour and most of the time if i can if i can have a more than a five-minute conversation with them i can start planting little liberty seeds in their mind of hey what if you can't go get something from the store hey what if you can't just go out and buy that thing hey what if supply chain does get interrupted and that thing that you want, you can't get, you know, so it's it's not just a scare tactic to get in. But, you know, talking to people about, hey, you know, you remember during that COVID crap when you could only buy two or three things of meat from the store. Yeah, well, if you grow your own own animals and grow your own groceries, you ain't got to worry about that or you don't have to worry about it as much. Hey, what if you lose your job and you can produce some of your own food or you have that liquid savings setback? back you know hey what if you know you have an unexpected car bill so as a server you would be you probably wouldn't but people are always like yeah man i just need a drink i'm having a rough day hey tell me about it so as a server I'm a therapist oh well i yeah. got car problems oh well that's easy tell me what the problem is i'll tell you how to fix it and they're like how the hell do you know this and i'm like hey i'm just that guy
0: so. you know i think that there's the reality today is that anybody with an IQ over like 80 has concerns about society right like if you have sure. no concerns about society, you either have literally an iQ under eighty or you have intellectually made yourself an 80 in the side of worrying like you have total trust sure. in a system that's crumbling but what we don't have is an agreement on exactly what the threat looks like so if if I lead to a conversation with like hey man. Um, do you know that diesel reserves are the lowest they've been in the history of anybody walking around alive today? Right? right. That may or may not resonate with you to the actual problem, but if I say, "Hey, I have a garden," or "Hey, I have a duck flock," right? That's interesting to people, and it may not be the thing that actually you know. If you, I can't remember. It was it Peach Dragon or it was some dragon movie where there was a it wasn't Peach Dragon. But the dragon had a a spot that the armor was missing, and you could get the arrow through and, and shoot the the dragon out. It was some mythical thing from Disney or something like that. And that piece, you'll never know it's there until you find it, where you can break through that person's normalcy bias shield. But if you can start the conversation with "I'm a beekeeper," right? That's interesting. Maybe the beekeeping thing itself won't lead there, but it leads to what else do you do, and how did you get in? And how did you get into it? Is what else do you do? Because it's never like, so I was walking down the street one day, carrying a balloon I got from Six Flags Over in Texas, and a bee landed on it. I think, I'm going to get bees. There's always some way that any of these things that we do occurred, and it leads to all the other things that we do. And then yeah. when you start having that conversation, instead of proselytizing to this person about preparedness or consumerism, you're talking to them about real things that are tangible, and then they tell you, what their concern is. And now will, too. it's like a sales technique, right? It's not sales, but it is sales. It's the same, but different, man. Um, yep. They tell you where their concern is. And that is a permission to address the concern. And even if you're right, if you address the concern with a human being prior to them, giving you the permission, you get shields, right? You get, I don't want to yep. talk about this. This is not comfortable for me because either they take it wrong or if even if you're dead spot on, it's like, how does this fucker know this? Right. Yep, like that's not comfortable that for somebody. Right. Like, how does this, this guy know this shit about me? And it's just you got lucky. You picked the right arrow and shot it in the right spot without knowing where it was. But it's uncomfortable to get hit in that spot until you have that person open up and say, I have this concern. And like I said, that's a permission point where now I can actually address it.
1: I um, and like I said, I'm in a unique spot as a as a bartender and as a senior server, so I've got a face that people just you know they're like, Hey, I want to talk to you. but it's like going to the barber, right? Like you always talk to those people and you tell them your problems because they're there to listen. Um, new uh, new parents. I have a really easy um, a really easy end with new parents. I'm like, hey, you thought given any thought forward to uh, how you're gonna provide for your family? You know, and new dads are like clinging to that life raft. They're like, give me all of the secrets, you know? So it it works out, man.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. And I, there's a long tradition of people burying their souls to, to bartenders. You know, they did the, they do the reality show, non-reality show, whatever, taxi cab confessions. Like, I think they should do one with bartenders, man, because people talk to bartenders way more than they talk to taxi cab drivers. I mean, when I talk to somebody driving me somewhere, I, I, it's usually Uber or Lyft today, but it's more like I'm asking them about them. I'm not telling them about me, but people just dump to a bartender, man. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, yeah. There's entire genres of fiction that have been built around somebody dumping their emotions to a bartender because it's a thing. Um, yeah. And it's just, you know, it's something I do. I, I do mechanic work. I
1: do the homesteading thing. I have an executive protection career and private security sector. Um, I have the oil and gas career, which I have an interview later this afternoon for, um, which I don't want to go back to, but I'm going to, because the most addictive drug in the world is money. It's not meth or fentanyl or cocaine (laughs) or anything like that. It's, it's money. The lives are bought and sold on wall street every day, including mine. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, You know, it's just something I do, man. I don't know what it is. I just I'm attracted to people, man. I I hate people, but I I love people at the same time. So
0: I completely identify with that. I like persons. I dislike people's right. Like I like individuals and small groups. I don't like society in mass. I don't like to be surrounded by people. It's It's Tommy Lee Jones' thing from Men in Black. You know, a person is smart and people are stupid, right? Like they they behave like a herd. And I'm not into herd mentality because, you know, it's whoever breaks first, the herd follows. There's just as much chance that that the one that broke was smart as that the one that broke was dumb, right? So you flip the coin and now the whole mass is moving in the direction of the coin. And heads you go off a cliff and tails you don't. And I'm thinking I like odds that are better than that, you know. Um, but I think what you're describing is just your personal passion, right? My personal passion is teaching. And I can either go teach high school kids for 50 grand a year, or I can actually make a good living as a podcaster. Um, that's a pretty easy decision in 2022. Uh, it was a pretty easy decision in 2008. When I had the decision to make in like 1993, there was no other option except I'm not going to do this because this doesn't, you know, look like something I really want to do, but I always wanted to do the teaching thing. So I always went into professions where I could become a trainer of some sort in that profession, whether it was through management or whether it was actually running a company or a division, because that's what I actually wanted to do is teach. And when you get somebody that's like that, you can't stop them. I worked with a lot of personalities when I was in the marketing world and you couldn't take them to a place and they didn't start teaching somebody. You know, like you, we, we worked with one guy that was a really amazing golfer, older gentleman, did all kinds of weird trick shots and shit. You t- take him out to a freaking driving range just to video him and he's gone. He's, he's down the lengths. He's <laughs> talking to people and like, and like actually making people better in a couple seconds. And and then like the camera guy's like, what do I do? Like roll the fucking camera. Like just, just follow them, right? We're not getting good on them. Like fuck the audio. It doesn't matter. We'll fix that later. And that passion to teach is something you either have it or you don't.
1: You know, it's funny that you bring this up because in 2015 when I was facing a layoff again in my career, just a warning to anybody who wants to be in oil and gas for the money, <laughs> Um, it's cyclical and you get laid off. Um, In 2015, when I was looking at getting laid off, you had actually talked about doing something like this in your passion for teaching. And that prompted me to start getting licenses and certifications. And I became a first aid and CPR instructor and an instructor trainer. And then I became an NRA certified instructor and then a, um, a DPS license instructor for the state of Texas to teach the LTC. And I found out that I do have a passion for teaching as well. Um, and teaching, you know, actionable information Not any of this common core shit that's taught in school um, And then I was like, well, hey, you know I wonder if I can actually If I have the experience enough to explain these concepts over a podcast And hey, you know what? Turns out that I do So it was just I Man, I just don't listen to crazy guys on the internet with podcasts, y'all
0: It's, <laughs> it's not a good thing <laughs> You'll turn into one. But see, yeah. the thing is, you won't, you'll turn into what you really want to be, right? Like, Exactly. Uh, you, when I say my buddy David, like 99% of the audience has no idea who I'm talking about. You've been to workshops, so you know who yep. David is. And Wiener dog in a Corvette. <laughs> Wiener dog in a Corvette, right? So <laughs> he's not a natural teacher, right? It's just not his thing. He's a great person. He's the best friend I have. But he will not deal with a person. Like, he'll explain it. And then you either understood it or you didn't. And he's going to go explain something. So like, I've done this. I'm done. And he's like, I've seen you do it. You'll sit there and you explain it and you explain it and you explain it. And that person's there like this. And then all of a sudden they go <laughs> and they get it. And you'll do that. You'll keep pushing until they get it. And he's like, I'm sitting there watching you. And I guess, I guess I'm like, well, he won. And he means, you know, I won, I won the battle. I made the knowledge go in. And I'm like, no, dude, they won. That's what it is for me. When I see that light bulb go on, it's not oh look what I did. It's oh look what they're going to do. Right. And I think that, I like, love the aha moment. Yeah, it's like it's like when you when you get a Bitcoin payment and the green check comes. It's like ah, there it is. Right. Like that is everything to me. And it's also scary as shit. Like when I first started doing the show, I don't know. I had spoken in front of like large groups my whole life. I had done keynote addresses and marketing and things like that. And when you tell somebody like, here's how you split test your shit. First of all, you know, like 95% of them are never going to do it. And the ones that do it, they're not going to get hurt by doing it. And then you start talking about like all this preparedness shit and you start getting emails from people like, dude, because of you, I went and I started putting gas in my garage and you're like, did I fully explain how not to burn your fucking house down when I said that? And you start (laughs) thinking Oh shit. Like I have to be careful because people I don't know, that don't know me are listening to a bodiless voice coming out of a car speaker or a headphone set and they're fucking doing stuff that I'm telling them to do. And like, I had like a, Whoa, I got to start thinking. And like, maybe I need to get up at three instead of four to go over my notes, to think about what I'm going to say. Because in the beginning, it was just a dude freestyling in a car. Right? Uh, right. For those that are new to the show, that's I started the did 18 months. of I did the show in my car on a little recorder. And it does kind of catch you like, oh, I really got to gotta kind of think before I open my beak because who knows what the hell. And then you start to like, you know, you explained something. You did a video on it. You drew it and you know there's no better way to explain it. And then you go to somebody's place like, I want to show you the swell I put in. And it's like on a five degree pitch going the other direction. And I'm like, dude, that's a ditch. That's not a <laughs> swell. It's not how that works. Yeah, I really gotta be careful because even when I was careful, I wasn't fully understood. And in the end, you end up deciding, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna do the best I can, and I'm gonna tell people I reserve the right to be wrong. So even if I'm not wrong, you think before you act. And that's that's part of the responsibility because we're talking about shit like playing with, you know. 150,000 stinging insects that are venomous or, you know, using a skill saw on top of a roof or building a dam that could break. And like I said, if you go over a certain size, get an engineer. Even if you don't have them design it, have them them do your math. Like that's just part of, you know, how things go in this this realm. And it's a – it, it's a much more developed place, podcasting is, than it was when I started. Like, when I started, it really was the Wild West. Now, every freaking Fox News talking head has their own podcast and stuff like that. When in the beginning, it was, like, when I don't know about you. Like, if you tell somebody today, like, well, what do you do? I do a podcast. are like, oh, okay, what's it called? In 08, 09, when people said, well, what do you do? I do a podcast. They're like, what's a podcast? Yep. They had no idea what a podcast. They're like, is that like a TV show or, you know? like what's a pod you know like right. they didn't even know what a pod was like you have an iPod yeah that's an iPod it's a podcast it goes on your iPod well how's it get on my iPod right not iPhone iPod right like they didn't have any right. i think today there's probably people listening to podcasts they don't even know what's called a podcast they never heard yeah. the term iPod they, <laughs>
1: they have no They're there's like i, I just listen to this show this it's just a yeah. show
0: it's a show yeah. it's a podcast what's well, a pod i've I don't actually know.
1: I've actually seen people gloss over when I'm like, Hey, do you listen to podcasts? I I have a show and they're like, I'm like, uh, podcast. But I tell you what, just let me send you a link. Yeah. Um, This is a show I did about what we're talking about right now. Just, just click it and hit play. It's fine. It'll just, it'll start on its own. So,
0: yeah, I wrote an article today. It wasn't really about any of this. It was more about Bitcoin and lightning. And my, my end with it was, And it was for lightning developers and developing things and using words that people like me understand. So you guys need to build your shit for people who, when they tell you about a domain name, still say WWW. You have to build stuff for that guy and then everybody will use it. If you don't build it for that guy, I promise you, you're using words and things that people do not understand. I think that's another thing. I think that as the media gets involved, they might have, big numbers of subscribers or whatever, just because they're on mainstream media advertising their show every day. But I don't think that this space of podcasting really can become dominated by mainstream media. I don't think they have the ability to do it because they don't understand the world they're in and what they're doing. They don't understand that people actually like plain language, that people actually like, and I don't mean the adult words. I just mean in general, plain language that They don't need to see somebody in a suit all the time, that they actually like to know who the person really is. And if you're fake, like most of them are, people know you're fake. You know, when you hear, you know, some of these people talking about, well, I was pumping gas for a living. You never pumped gas for a living. You went to fucking Yale. Like, get out of here. And, like, people don't buy the story if the story's not true. Like, people are, again, I'm back to a person is smart and people are stupid. The individual person has a pretty good bullshit detector. And when you look at mass media, since it's like this mass broadcast, it really is kind of a mass seduction where I think people, when they listen to podcasts, they feel very one-on-one with the host and the guest. Like yes. That's actually one of the cool things about doing this live and we have people communicating with us and each other right now while it's going on. But in general, most people that listen to this stuff, they're walking their dog or they're in their garden or they're, you know, in the office with their their radio at a reasonable volume or whatever it is. And they're kind of connected directly to us. And I, that's kind of off topic. But I think it's kind of interesting that that's the way we're reaching people today. I, I don't think
1: that it's off topic. I think it's apropos. Um, I think that the reason why you and you guys like you and I um, and everybody else that's in our, our click in our space get traction is because, We're relatable. We're real people. And if you're not, I'm just going to go. I'm going to send it, man. If you're not authentic as fuck, it comes out in the wash. It really does. And then you have to make the information digestible. So you have to make it available, relatable, and digestible. And that's, I mean, you're you're on the right track if you can do those three things. That's where, like, I've gone on my show and I'm like, you know, guys, I tell you all about all my successes and I tell you about all of the, you know, the good stuff when it happens. You see the sexy shit on Instagram. But i'm a real person i'm in the dark right now you know i did that towards the end of the year last year and i'm like guys i'm sitting in the front seat of my truck crying because i'm gonna have to sell my farm because i had a heart attack and my backup plan which was executive protection they fired me so i had a career i had a backup plan and i still cried in the front seat of my truck because i was gonna have to sell my truck and sell my farm so you know it's (laughs) You just, you gotta be real. If you're not authentic as fuck and not who you do, do what you say you do and, and say what you do, you know, it's, it, it comes out in the wash. Like I've had people show up at the events and I had a guy come from, uh, Baltimore, Maryland and he's, uh, he's, he's a, uh, an RN, I think, uh, but he knows, he knows who he is. Um, he's like, man, I was, I was relieved. I was taking him back to the, to the airport and he's like, I was relieved that you are exactly who you claim to be you're exactly who you are on the microphone and in person. I'm like, man, I can't be anybody else, bro. Cause the lies are too hard to keep up with, you know? Like I don't have the energy to waste to claim to be something I'm not. There's,
0: There's a lot about. in that. I mean, I remember one time uh, I went up to Vermont to Ben Fox place and I did like a little meetup. Like I was staying, like I, I left the place, stayed at a hotel and flew out in the morning. And so I was like small town, Vermont, like Burlington or whatever. And, I don't know how many listeners are there, but I'm going to be at the bar for a couple hours if you want to come by. And I, that dozen people came by. And one guy said, My best friend loves your show. And he didn't come. And I'm like, well, Why not? He goes, I tried to get him to come. And he's like, But what if he's a dick? <laughs> right. Yep. And I'm like, What? He goes, like, He goes, to, He's like, If he ends up being a dick, it'll ruin it for me. I don't want to listen anymore. And <laughs> I was like, Man, that sucks because I mean, when I had my intern show here for a, 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 almost a year, and he would meet people and, you know, they'll talk to somebody like that more frankly than they'll talk to you. And they would say things like, what's Jack really like? And he's like, he's exactly like he is on the air, but he says, fuck more. That's <laughs> <laughs> yes. that's, that's like, it's like, that's it. Like that's all you'll get is, is more F mobs out of him. And, you know, he's right. And I try to stay that way. And I think that's something that mainstream can't do. Um, I know that your goal is a lot like mine, mentoring and guiding people towards self-ownership Absolutely. and personal liberty. And I I actually started using the term personal liberty when I was already down the road quite a way because I, I kind of built the four things of self-sufficiency, self-reliance, independence, and liberty. And I realized I had to start saying personal liberty because people did not comprehend what the hell I was talking about. When I would say liberty, I would end up with some kind of speaking thing in front of like a bunch of conservatives or something and they would all start clapping and I'm like, I, I don't think you are clapping for the right reasons right now because it was their collectivist view right. of liberty. Even though I'm going to be flat honest, I as an anarchist, I get along with conservatives better than, than Democrats. I, I really do. Um, in general, they are more liberty-oriented, but yet they still have this control mechanism. And I'm like, I, I don't want to tell you you're wrong for being a liberal or a conservative. What I want to do is I want you to get a focus on your view of what you're not for everybody else, for you, what your version of liberty is, because I know it's like a fucking disease, right? Like if I stick that inside you, it will become a virus and it'll start conflicting with everything that you thought you believed for other people, right? So what is kind of your approach with with, you know, personal ownership, personal liberty. So before I jump into that, I want to congratulate
1: you on the conservative thing. You know why they all clap? What? They all clap because they agree with what you're saying and they think that you're going to jump on their bandwagon so you can enforce their, their will on everybody else and their, what they think is liberty. Yeah. Um, but no, so, uh, my thing is, is getting in front of people and getting them to realize instead of blaming somebody else or instead of saying somebody should fix the problem, being proactive and doing something like being more active in your community, being a, a pillar in your community. You know, if you're at the feed store down the road and somebody's asking, Hey, how do I do this? And nobody can answer them, you know, jump in and be like, Hey, blah, blah, blah. Case in point, last week after the uvaldi bullshit, um, we had several local moms on the next door app. Uh, I get a lot of business, handyman business off the next door app, but we had a lot of moms in the local area. They were like, Hey, anybody know anything about homeschooling so everybody starts to reply and they're like hey here's you know homeschool depot here's blah 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 and they're just posting links and they're not actually giving the person any information so i jump on there i dm the lady i'm like here i did an entire show on what my experience has been up to this point as a as a homeschooler you know here if you have any questions don't hesitate reach out and talk to me you know and that's where it's like you know I want something done about this. Okay, shut up, stop bitching about it, and do something about it, you know? So I tell people that self-ownership and and personal liberty is a double-edged sword because it, you know, it protects you, but then you're responsible for you. So it can also cut you in the fact that, you know, nobody's going to be there to hold your hand and pat you on the butt and say, you know, go ahead and get back up and and try this again. You know, you, you, you can't have both you can't have it both ways right it's um once once you wake up to it and you start to pursue you know personal living personal freedom you get you become what i call it leave me to the fuck alone Terrian. and so it's like <laughs> i love everything you're saying over there but yeah. keep your bullshit over there you know yeah. like I, I'm, I'm good here just let me do my thing you know and then it and and that mindset starts to flow over into other things You know, it starts to flow over into a preparedness mindset because if I'm leaving this school of thought over here, I've got to be prepared for what comes down the road. You know, if I'm going to leave the traditional, what's generally accepted as, as best practice for medicine and, you know, education and all these things, right? If you leave the education system, you got to be ready to, to fill that void. You got to be ready to hunt down and check off every transcript on your high school students. You know, progress on their, their homeschool on the Acellus program to make sure they're ready to graduate or not. You know, why do I know that? Because I just had to do it two days ago. So (laughs) nobody else is going to do it. So like I reached out to Acellus and I'm like, Hey, how close is my student to graduate? And they're like, you go tell us, you know, and I'm like, wait, what, you know, which is great. (laughs) I don't have to worry about my kids getting shot up in a school shooting, but. You know, I've got to do some of the work that they hire a thousand administrative little bureaucrats to do. You know, I've got to I've got to manage that myself. So um, really what it comes down to is, you know, personal liberty and self-ownership is just more responsibility that people like to shove off and say, here, I, I don't have time for this. You be responsible for this. And that's where you lose your freedom and lose your liberty. So it's uncomfortable. It's inconvenient. It's damn inconvenient. But it's more free and I don't have anybody telling me, Hey, you have to have your kids here by this time, you know, and it's, that's all of it in life, right? Like I don't have to adhere to an auto repair appointment or be beholden to a mechanic for what it costs to fix my car. Or, you know, I mean, dude, you name it. There's, there's so many areas. Once you start realizing it and you start growing it and building personal liberty and freedom into your life, it, it infiltrates everything. So, (laughs)
0: yeah. I that's a- <laughs> no, I agree with that. And I was just, you know, you said the leave me alone basically. And I think that this is one of the areas where I think that we have more commonality than we think we do. The reason people want to exhort their will on others is not because they actually want to exhort their will on others. They naturally assume the thing that they want is what most people want. Right. Because if right. if there was a reason not to want things this way, then. I wouldn't want them this way. and They have no idea the little tiny ass nats ass view of the world that they actually have. And, and the more educated they are, the worse this is, because now yeah. they know better, because not only did they get programmed with bullshit, they got rewarded for answering the bullshit correctly. They got lots of gold stars and lots of initials. And now, well, it must be what most people want. And libertarians are not immune to this. Libertarians are the worst sons of bitches on the planet for getting Messiah syndrome, right? They're chugging along and they're either small government Republicans or classic liberal liberals or whatever. And they just don't feel that there's, you know, anything really makes sense. They pick their side, but their side really doesn't. And then, holy shit, there's a video of this guy called Ron Paul or whatever it is that brings them in. Somebody gives them a book and they're like, holy shit. And they're like, I just don't think anybody knows. And then they just think like since nobody – if I just tell people and then it's like watching somebody run their face into a giant cheese grater over and over (laughs) and over and just not understand the average person doesn't want what you think they want. And that's like we can pick on our fellow libertarians and at least they have a thick enough skin to take it. But I think it's the same problem. Conservatives think that. Liberals think that. Leftists, rightists, authoritarian, centrists, all of them think, well, really, most people want what I want. And the reason we're in such a dangerous place right now is leave me alone is not being done. I think the most fundamental right that a human being has is the right to be left alone. Like that's That is actually the universal thing. That's what most people want. They just don't know it. They want to be right. left alone when they want gun control. They don't really want gun control. They want to feel safe that somebody with a gun is they going to come shoot them. Right? right. Which is the exact same thing. The person is like, you're not getting my fucking gun. Right. Because <laughs> right. I'm going to use my gun to prevent you. I will shoot you back.
1: Right? Right. Those of us who understand counter violence are like, I'm going to yeah. violence you harder than you violence.
0: me." I will. Yeah. If you try to kill me, I will kill you back. I will kill you harder. Like, and, and like, so, but in the end, what both people want is to feel safe in their place that they choose to live. And right. the safest thing you can do then is to let everybody live the way they want to live until they violate that. But that's again, now I'm back to preaching the gospel of the libertarian and most people don't want to have that freedom because it comes with the consort, uh, an equal responsibility. And it's yep. not really that they don't want the freedom. They don't want the responsibility that comes along with the freedom. And that's a, that's a big step to get somebody over.
1: Yep. They also don't want to devote the time to it because in, in, inevitably, no matter what we're talking about with more post personal, you know, freedom and more self ownership, it's going to be inconvenient. The fact that you have to spend more time that you already probably don't have to make time for this taking a little bit longer or for you having to go out of your way so you don't have to participate in these other systems of control and stuff like that. So, you know, um, like I said, you plant the seeds, you uh, you uh infiltrate that brain and leave the seeds behind. And then, you know, people come back around, they ask you about it,
0: you know? Um, tell us a little bit about your community. Um, it's called uh the, the what is it? It's knitting, knitting circle or,
1: so the the show is called the Insurgency Knitting Circle
0: podcast. Insurgency was the word I was like, Insurgency Knitting yep. Circle. What is what is that about, and how does it encourage personal responsibility?
1: So um IKC is obviously the show where we disseminate information and stuff like that, but it's grown to be more than a show. Uh, we have um, an online like a Discord group, and then we have guys who check in with each other. So we we have you know. We have people that will keep each other accountable. We, you know, uh, all just on our Discord, we have a car channel, we have an I need help channel, uh, we have a health and fitness channel, and our this this community around this show is you know it, it's really tight. Even if we haven't met each other in person, you know, we're like, hey, how much have you lost this week? What kind of gains have you posted in the gym this week? You know, I get on and I um, I just did a session that I call man shit and i i got on with the guys it was just impromptu and i'm like hey guys i'm getting on in 15 minutes and i'm like hey you know sometimes you have to make the decision of paying the mortgage or putting thirteen hundred dollars into the car to make sure you can go you know to your job and earn a living to pay the mortgage you know and i have guys that reach out to me and they're like hey man i'm going through some rough stuff right now and i'm you know if i can't if i can't make the space or hold the space or make the time for him i'm like hey i'm going to put you in touch with this person and when you need help or you need somebody to talk to, reach out. But the guys do it on their own. The chicks do it on their own. So we've got a group of chicks. They're called them Fatals and they all talk amongst, amongst each other. It's the wives and girlfriends around the show. Um, and where I kind of came by this was, uh, Pat, um, actually gave me a couple of, he, he gifted me a couple of sessions, um, with a, a guy. I'm about to get backed over by a dump truck. Um, <laughs> <I
0: see>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Sorry. But uh, Pat, Pat gifted me a couple sessions with a guy named Trevor Bowen. He's the uh, host of the Uncivilized Man podcast. And when Trevor talked about just pouring into other men and coaching guys and just, you know, being accountable and holding space for them and, you know, some, some guys and guys are unique. And the fact that we're like, nah, man, nobody else knows what I'm going through. Nobody else knows the mistakes I've made and the, the struggles and temptations that I face. And it's like, yo, man, you know, Everybody you're right.
0: Everybody knows. I, <laughs> right? Like, like, yeah. <laughs> maybe,
1: maybe I don't, but I'll sit here and listen to you. You know, I'll sit yeah. here and just just hold the space for you. You know, if you don't want me to give you feedback and tell you how I think you should fix your problems, I won't. If you just want me to listen to you spout off, man, I'm here. You know, and I haven't got to the point where, I wouldn't call myself a life coach, you know, but I am though, you know, I just don't charge for it right now. Like at some point, I guess I should start monetizing that, but it's just like, I know that if I, as a man, as a husband, as a father, as um, a, a solid for productive member of my community, if I'm struggling, somebody else has to be, you know, And that's where like people, you know, like they get in depression, they get in the cycle and it's like, man, like, I can't even I can't even figure out what way to move to to get myself out of this pit, you know? And it's just man, I if I if I'm if I'm struggling, everybody else has to be. Or at least somebody else has to be. So Yeah.
0: Yeah. We the, the I, I community
1: think, is amazing.
0: I think part of the whole thing with with men and especially young men and young to me young men you're you're young man. Right? Like I am. Um, I'll take that. It's fine. Yeah. Um I think that we've come from a generation of largely absent fathers and for varying reasons. One, the divorce rate is through the roof and I'm not picking on anybody with a broken family. Cause I come from one myself, but it is physically impossible for a father to be there as frequently as he would be there. If he lived in the same home full time with his son or daughter, that's just, that's not even a uh, critique of the individual. It's just a physical reality. And then we have jobs, we have careers, we have things that we have to be dedicated to. So I grew up with a very strong work ethic that your job as a man was to provide for your household. And if that meant you work 90 hours, well, then you work 90 hours. Well, every hour you're working, you're not there. So and then my whole generation, Gen X, we're, we literally called the latchkey key kids. So we have a high divorce rate, career driven parents. Um, that actually it was considered like if you work all the time and were never home, that was actually noble. That was actually yep. like a good thing. Right. So like we have this whole group of men from like my age and I'm sure older. And then definitely in the younger, you know, cohorts that never really had men in their life being men. And hence they're lost. And people actually get pissed at me when I use the term lost, but it's, that's what it is. Like you can't model behavior that you don't witness. Right. So all you witnessed was the absence. So you think absence is the behavior. And when when young men especially find an older guy that's been knocked around a bit, that'll say, hey, I've been through this shit. I understand. And here's what you need to do to put your shit together. Like that is very magnetic. And and it's it, it, it comes with a huge amount of responsibility. But we're seeing it. In so many personalities, people bigger than myself or you, Jordan Peterson, like this is exactly why young men listen to Jordan Peterson or someone totally different, like the rapper Zuby, right? Like, like people are gravitating like in his book, like he's a rapper and a critical figure, but his book is called strong advice. Right. And he's posting pictures of these guys that have completely transformed their bodies because of his book. Well, this is all the things that you're, the males in your life, whether they were fathers, uncles, grandparents should have modeled for you, but they didn't. And on some levels, it actually hurts me that it falls on people like freaking podcasters and media, social media influencers to fill that role. On the other side, I'm, I'm encouraged by it because, because it's happening because what's the alternative? Somebody has to, If, if we weren't there. And when I say we, I'm pretty humble with that. Like, you know, adding the names I just did to that, but I hear people all the time saying like, you know, I listen to you and Jordan Peterson, or I, I listen to you and Marcassio and I'm like, holy shit. Like how do I even get into the realm of these other, these other people and, and the amazing things they've done? But I think it's just that people want, people want someone to be real with them and to, I think the other thing that's missing, if you don't have that in your life, Men, and I don't mean to be sexist or anything. I'm not just in general, men and women come from a different standpoint in the way they deal with children. Women are much more nurturing and that's important. I'm not saying it's not important. It just is important, but it is, it's one side. Men are much more like you can do better. I'm going to, you, you got over the hurdle. I'm going to raise it. Mom wants to put a ribbon on the kid and pat him and he needs that, but he also needs, all right, let's go. Let's go to the next level. And if you get all of one, and it doesn't matter what side. If it's like all from the man and you don't get the nurture, you've got a problem. And if you get all nurture and no push, that's a problem too. And people will say, well, why can't you just be so-? – because I'm not, right? Because I'm not softer. That's not <laughs> – I was not engineered to be softer. I can have those moments. I can I can occasionally be the drill sergeant and I can occasionally be the wise old colonel, but I'm going to be the drill sergeant more. That's And you are going to be the, – the female in the relationship is going to be more like the wise old colonel. Right. That's just the yep. way of things. And like, it's almost like, I don't know, that we were designed to be that way. Yeah. I mean, it's insane, but I kind of feels like maybe we were designed to be that way because it's such a natural thing. I, I Absolutely. do want to get, I do want to get kind of toward wrapping up a little bit. What is your favorite part about being a podcaster and a content creator?
1: Um When people reach out and they're like, Hey, I found this in the darkest, part of my path you know when people are like hey i was dealing with loss or i was dealing with death or i was dealing with depression or something like that and they're like hey i found your show at one of the darkest points of my life and this community has helped me through you know i was most proud when my little sister went to college and she told me that she listened to the show so she wasn't homesick you know it's when people actually tell you that they're touching your, that you're touching their lives and making a difference and they take that time to reach out to you and say, Hey, thank you. You know, I really appreciate it. Um, you know, I, I took this chance and, and I came out on top, you know, that's, and, and to see people, you know, when they come to the events, just to be able to hug them and sip a whiskey with them and sit around the fire pit, you know, um, I, I love it all, man. So it's why I'm fool enough to get on the microphone and talk about it, you know. It's just some, somebody's going to. I just was dumb enough to try it, I guess. But I it's it's fulfilling in a way for me where I've had a I've had a six figure career and I've had the huge house and I've had the cars and you know, now I've got the, the homesteading and stuff like that and it's just fulfilling in a way that I've never experienced in my life. And that's that is that's probably my favorite part.
0: So I I would agree with with a great deal of that. It it really is the, the payday is the other side of it, right? The payday is what the people do. When I was at float, somebody's little girls were there, and, you know, usually the kids are like, ah, whatever, this girl had to be yeah. my granddaughter's age, like six years old, and she told me the story of the frog, that they found the frog, and because Jack Spearco said frogs are cool, she got to keep it for a while, and, and she runs up to me and she, like, hugs me, but, like, she takes one of her legs and, like, wraps it around my leg, and, like, you can't buy that. You can't buy a kid being that way to you, man. I mean, that is... And then you know, various. So please, you you big sweaty guys, don't come up and hug me and wrap your leg around. Now somebody's gonna do it. Somebody's gonna do it in <laughs> they November, and they're gonna get sweaty first, right? But like, oh, yeah. it doesn't matter who it is, like when it is that, you, like you did a thing, and then it resulted in something positive for somebody else. That is incredibly rewarding, and I, I don't know how many other places you can get it. And I think all of the places that you can get it are some form of teaching or mentoring. Like, I think yeah. that, like, by doing that, you qualify as a teacher and a mentor, even if you didn't intend to. And I think that's also a natural human trait.
1: Um, I think that it's your... also a deeper, more, uh, meaningful connection that you make with people and th- from that point of view.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about your kids' book series. Okay. So, um,
1: <laughs> I really love the, uh, uh, the Tuttle twins. Um, I've actually started writing my own series of books called Homestead Kids, and it's in the same vein of self-ownership and preparedness and stuff like that. I'm trying to get it off the ground. I've got two books written so far. Um, Kickstarter is kind of a pain in the ass when you are asking for money for a project. So I've gotten rejection a couple of times from Kickstarter. We're trying to iron those out. But I really I've talked to a couple of editors. I've talked to a couple of artists and stuff like that. Um, I, I am. I have this burning desire since the heart attack to bring this book to market because it just it just is it just needs to be, right? And so the um one of the biggest things with the books is the projects that we talk about the kids building and the projects they go through building in the books are, you know, obviously hypothetical. They're, you know, for homesteading purposes or whatever like building raised bed gardens um but my wife and i as designers are going to include plans for building all of the projects in each of the books so when we do our sign off and our dedication at the end of the book we're going to include plans and cut lists and bill of materials for everything with a little note and uh hopefully i can i can get this thing launched um i'm super excited about it uh just like i said i've tried launching the kickstarter twice and they're like "Eh, this is just too bare bones for us i'm like What more do you want from me? (laughs) You know, I know that it's going to happen eventually.
0: Like I just found out that uh, I don't know if it's on the Apple side yet because it wasn't there yesterday. Uh, Breeze Wallet just introduced like an app within the app that does fundraising for things like that on Bitcoin completely independent. Right. So like there are ways and Nicole did her coffee thing. She basically installed a WordPress plugin and did it on her own website. So there are ways, um, but I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to talk
1: to the community and see something else, but I know that it's going to take off like, uh Tuttle twins did. Um, and I think I've got outlines for probably 12 or 14 books just in the experience of what we've done on the farm. Um, so yeah, I, I I just I want to start using that to change the minds of, of young people um, early on, and if we can interrupt the social programming and the just the all of the nastiness that they're being taught, um, are just I'll deprogram the uh, the uh, the indoctrination if I can. I'm sorry. I live in a small town, and we've got a train coming through right That's now. Right.
0: As long as it doesn't hit you like the like the truck almost did, you'll be good. Um, it's it's interesting you say that though, because I was recently put working on a talk that is a talk on how to publicly speak, and yep. there's some there's like some pillars to that, and you know some of them are things like make people laugh and, and speak with passion and what have you. Uh, but one of them is that if you do a talk and you don't leave your audience. With a few things they can do that can be done so that they'll go do one of them, no matter how good a job you do, if somebody asks them about that talk a week from then, even if they haven't done it yet, if you've given it to them, they'll probably remember it. They'll probably remember (laughs) it a year. They'll probably remember it 10 years. Oh, yeah, I remember when I heard Bill talk. And he And the reason they'll be able to do it is you gave them a thing to do and they did it. If you don't give people, whether it's a speech, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a book, a thing to do that they can do, then the action will not tie back into the instruction and they will not have the recall to be able to put it into practice. And I would just encourage everybody to think about how many times you've been to workshops and seminars and stuff like that. And there were great speakers. But if I asked you what they talked about right now, you like, you don't know. And the ones you do know, they gave you something to do. And you did it. Right. So I think that's an incredible way of closing that gap because a lot of the books that are out in things that are like to open up minds and all, they don't give a person a thing to do. Right. And, and, and that does right. tell people about your, your podcast. Where can they find it? Um,
1: so we're on a, every major uh, podcasting dissemination app or platform or whatever. Uh, it's called insurgency knitting circle podcast. Uh, we're also posting photos and of projects and, you know, just real life stuff uh we have ikc podcast on instagram and then when we start posting out and sending out information about the the homesteading events uh that handle is freedom and farmsteading so uh, i was actually just talking to nicole about my need to get my ass in gear and get a couple of websites up so eventually we'll have those up hopefully by the, i know i know uncle jack i know uh, hopefully by the time the Kickstarter's ready and I'm ready to come on and fully tell you guys and, and possibly read a couple of portions of the Homestead Kids books, uh, we'll have those, those websites up. But for now, it's just Insurgency Knitting Circle Podcast on any po- podcasting app and then IKC Podcast and Freedom and Farmsteading on Instagram. And if nice. anybody needs to get a hold of me, my email directly is info at IKC Podcast.
0: Cool. So. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and just hit a few things here from the audience. K Blanc sure. says, hmm, what's Andrew's take on the oil industry? I think you, you hit that uh, a bit with you get laid off, but I think he's talking about more about where we're at in the world as of June 1st, 2022.
1: Um, I think that renewable energy and alternative fuels is coming up fast. Um, I just interviewed uh, for a design position with a company that does, um, uh, liquid fuels, so like hydrogen and and stuff like that, and they're getting more of a foothold. The other part of that is renewables like solar and wind. Um, They're becoming more prevalent. It's just the EPA and the government and everybody is trying to do away with the evil fossil fuels. What they don't realize is that the fossil fuels are the lifeblood of this country and most of the other successful countries in the world. So I think that while it's on its way out and it's people are trying to curtail it and you know, keep it or, you know, restrict it. I think that it's, it's still one of the major commodities and lifeblood of the economy, but it's like anything else. It's had its heyday and it's probably on its way out.
0: I, I would agree. And I think that there's like both sides are stupid. So like there's the whole, there's the whole, isn't that the, the argument for everything people? though? Yeah, like it is, right? Like we're going to burn fossil fuels for the next 500 years, and if we do anything else, we're dumb and we'll all die. And then there's the people like we're trying to force the conversion. Leave it alone. The conversion is occurring. Right now, our biggest problem with renewables in Texas is we're actually during sometimes making too much energy, and the energy companies trying to figure out how do they make the cost of energy not go to zero, On any given day, Austin, Texas has 70% of its energy right now, this minute, today, generated by renewables, 70%. Now, in the middle of the hottest hot and the coldest cold, will that change? Yes, and it's going to. And that's why we just need to allow the flexibility. So stop trying to shove. It's it's the old thing. Like, the left actually is going to win this one in what they believe as far as the takeover. But what they're doing is they're driving down the road. There's a dog. He's kind of tired and cold (laughs) and wet and mangy and unhappy. And what a normal person would do was, here, buddy, come here, and then, like, throw some food at him. And, like, what they're going to do is they're going to grab the dog, shove it in a corner, and try to shove food in its face against it. It's going to bite you. Of course it is. Dummy don't behave that way. That's exactly what's happening with kind of the whole ESG thing. And I think it's because instead of, hey, we want to transition to renewable energy, we want all our shit to go with it. Right. Transitioning to renewables is not enough. We need all our shit to come along for the ride. And then the other side, who knows we can't just get rid of fossil fuels tomorrow. That's not going to work. All they see is all the shit you want to bring in. And once again, the market is going to market and we're going to move in the direction that we're going to move, whether people want to or not. The market doesn't care. Um, The market's going to market. Ecomo says, Having a dedicated hazmat box locker with a good ventilation is never a bad idea. I don't know what we were talking about that brought that up. Maybe you do. I don't
1: know. (laughs) That's a little bit out of context for me. I will say on the last one, though, I hope that they don't do away with fossil fuels in my lifetime because I like the sound of a big rig and the way they work. I like the sound of a diesel truck, and I like the sound of a good old-fashioned American muscle car. So, Man, even if they they do take it away...
0: I think we'll have this parallel thing for a long time. Like I'm not getting rid of my challenger. Yeah. I'm sorry, right? I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> The Tesla model six that looks like a grandpa car will, will blow my car away. I don't care. Yeah. I like my car. I'm not going to get rid of my car.
1: Um, I, I like I, I my Suburban that's got a big old 8.1 liter 496 and yeah. it changes the cost of fuel every time I accelerate. Yeah. It's fine.
0: Yeah, you know, but maybe I'll go drive a, I think the Ford, the new Ford electric trucks out, the Ford Lightning, I think is what it's called. I think maybe I'll go yeah. drive one and maybe, who knows? I don't know. People, that see, the only thing I, where I go there and I don't know what's going to end up being the reality in the end. Don't you remember everybody saying that about books? Right? Like when, uh, when e-books yeah. came out, I like the feel of books. I like the smell of books and like 90% of books are consumed on, you know, an e-reader today. Like, so I, I don't know. 100% what's, of my consumption is audible. Yeah, Audible and e-readers, right? You know, but like, I remember it being in TV shows, like some old studgy librarian, like, I like the smell. And he'd be like, Oh yeah, I agree. And like, I like to go to Barnes and Noble and sit in the big chair and read. Well, Barnes and Noble didn't make any money by you sitting in the big chair and reading all their books like it was a library, <laughs> right? That experiment <laughs> yeah. failed. And, and now they realize like, so I can ship a book for a quarter of a penny and make a hundred percent profit on it. Or I can print a book. Hmm. Yep. And in my audience, and I'm sure yours because we're preppers, you still have the people that are diehards. But what if the grid goes down or whatever? Okay, you can pay for the print. You're going to have bigger I, problems. I have one right here. There's another one. Right, I'm touching two books right now. I'm not crapping on books. Yep. I'm just saying the majority has made its decision, and that's the place we are now. Uh, Matthew says podcasts are like listening to somebody you know. Mainstream media is like sitting in high school listening to an authority. Never it. heard of it put that way, but freaking sledgehammer to a pe- tenpenny, right into the oak plank all the way, one shot, Mister Miyagi style. Yep. Good job, Daniel, son. I mean, that is, I, I have nothing to add. <laughs> yeah. I, uh... Yeah. Jim's garden says that's a good way of looking at it. This is when we're talking about gun control folks who want gun control, just want to worry about being shot. Same on the other side, to paraphrase Jack, both want the same hole, but have a different tool. Yeah. I think it's, it's, that's the old thing, right? You don't want to drill, but you want a hole, right? And, and, and that thereby, how do we get the hole is the real question. But tribalism, modern tribalism takes away from the goal of the hole. Like, I don't want to get shot either. I don't want children shot. And you get the other side screaming at you, you don't care about kids. How many people have to die before you'll give up your rights? Bluntly, all of them, right? That's yeah, a, pretty I much. have to die before I give up my rights. So we're having a non-starter conversation there. But I will have a conversation with you about how to protect our children. I will have a conversation with you about how to protect yourself, I will have a you conversation know, maybe, about how to reform law enforcement. There's a lot of conversations I'll have with you. The conversation of me giving up my fundamental right to property and self ownership. Uh, uh, I, no, no. And just because you've, and I will also acknowledge and honor your right to give up your right to self ownership and to give up your fundamental right to property and your fundamental right. You have every right to, to give up whatever rights you have. You have no right to transfer a right you don't have to somebody else. Like since right. you don't have a right to take my property, you, I, then I, do, I deny your authority through voting to defer a right to take my property from me. I'm sorry. That's not a conversation I can have.
1: Well, I got two things on that. Um, so one, maybe we should do a round table discussion uh, sure. either on TSP or on my show or somebody, you know, somebody's show uh talking about, you know, challenges and, and possible solutions, because nobody's doing that right now. And I don't I don't want to do something like that fresh on the the, the heels of something like Uvalde. Um The other thing I will say, you know, who doesn't have to worry about school shootings? Homeschoolers. Home-schoolers. Yeah. Yeah. If you yeah, try I'll and come you shoot my kids, it's,
0: it, it's not practical because you haven't asked how. Right. right. You've said you so can't if, do it.
1: If somebody tries to come shoot my kids at school my kids are gonna shoot back because here in Texas we have a law that allows my kids to the use of lethal force to defend their property and defend themselves
0: yeah so yeah so you didn't hear that's part shot. of the curriculum baby you're, <laughs> shot, you're getting bit I mean like it's it's all yeah. oh, yeah. around yeah oh yeah yeah we actually have yeah. a project like that going right now uh Mick who I've just brought up his comments here it's uh, got a document that we Compiled last week or actually earlier this week, whenever we did it, Friday um, last week on MeWe, where we have people brainstorming all ways to improve that situation, including do we take an honest look at can the private sector come up with a way this completely private and voluntary opt in for sellers to know you're not crazy when I sell you a gun because you're a bartender. So you can vouch for this. If I come in there, and I'm slurring my speech and I'm drunk off my fucking ass already, you're not giving me another drink, right? You're going to be like, no, dude, you're done. Or even if I sit there, I came in sober, but now I've had a few too many. You're going to cut me off at some point, and that's a judgment call. And I know I've I've never talked to a gun owner, a gun gun shop owner, that I've said, has there ever been a person that you got the wrong feeling about and you refused to sell to? Every single one of them has said, yes, there's been that guy. That I'm like, I'm not selling this dude a gun. So I don't think gun shop owners just want to sell a gun at any cost possible, right? Like if somebody walks in and says, hey, man, I need a gun that kills as many people as fast as possible. No. So if we can come up with a way where there's a voluntary opt-in system, it may become a de facto standard in time. I can't trust the state with it. I know the no, state cannot trust you with this. I can't trust the state to not ban a seven-year-old from flying on a plane by mistakenly putting them on the no-fly list. So I cannot trust the state with this. But if you want a solution and you don't want the state to do it, then you have to build it instead of remain in denial. Last thing here, though, Mick said, uh, I hope he tells the stories about the elephants. And it's when we were talking about, you know, the young men. So I'll give the short version here at the end and maybe you have a comment on it. But after the ivory hunting wave happened and they wiped out the elephant populations and then it was made worse, Uh, by people that wanted to prevent the elephants from destroying too much of their habitat. The culling was all older males, seeing that the females were necessary to take care of the calves and they all had, the males had the bigger tusks and had more value, the older males. What we ended up with was a population of elephants in Africa that was all juvenile males and females. And what ended up happening is the young juvenile males as they were going through basically their version of puberty. And remember, they live as long as we do. a, A juvenile elephant's a big frickin' animal. And they were now the patriarchs of the herd with no idea what they were doing, no mentorship. And all of a sudden, things that had never happened in living history started happening, like bands of rogue male elephants were going into villages and, like, smashing people to death and killing people. And they couldn't figure out what it was, and as more protections came back in, and the males, even the ones that committed these acts, the ones that weren't shot, aged out and got older and wiser, something returned that nobody had realized had gone away, bachelor herds. In the world of elephants, the males leave for a while during the calving season because the female elephant is fully capable of taking care of her baby elephant. She doesn't need a bull. And if you don't believe that, go try to mess with a calf, and you'll find out real quick a cow elephant is more than adequate to defend against any threat that that little elephant has. So the male's kind of like, you know, like the guys are out smoking cigars while the kid's being born. They kind of go off and do their thing. Well, this ends up being a very important thing in elephant life, and basically the old men were teaching the young men how not to be a dick. So, like, when the young guys are like, hey, let's just go fuck some shit up in town, the old elephants are like, hey, kid, I'm going to beat your ass We don't do that. Those hairless monkeys over there, they're more dangerous than you think, and this causes us problems. So keep your shit straight. So they learned to not cause – and they were actually goring other animals and things too. Well, once they rebalanced the herds and there's there's patriarchs in the herds again, all of these problems went away. Now, if you look at that and you look at our society today and you don't see like youth gang violence and stuff, these men have no resiliency yet they're incredibly violent – it, it is the same phenomenon. It's so close. And, it, it, you know, I'm a hunter. I love to hunt. I plan someday before I'm too old to enjoy it to go to Africa and hunt on a true safari. I will never kill an elephant. I will never take the life of an elephant. That is way too close to humanity for me. But I don't know if, if you've ever heard me tell that story before. But to me, it is is eerily um, analogous to what's going on in our society today. We've removed the old man. So I have
1: very rarely heard a better justification to continue doing what you and I are doing. Yeah. Yeah. Really? You know, yeah. and guys like Traver Boehm that, you know, pour into and hold space for in council and, and not, I guess counsel's not the word for it, just coach and, you know, just pour into other men. And I mean, if, if, you know, honestly, if anybody's listening to this right now and they're in a position where they've got, you know, younger guys and it doesn't even have to be younger guys. It's older guys. You know, I talked to one of my former coworkers today and I'm like, hey, can you give me a recommendation letter? And he's like, I can't, man. I can't. He's like, it's not that you're not a good guy. He's like, I'm just struggling since my wife died and I'm in a dark place. And I'm like, er breaks. You and I are going to lunch soon. You know? Yeah. So it's yeah. just, you know, yeah. you got to sometimes you as a man, you got to care about other stuff, other other stuff beside yourself.
0: Yeah. You know, and I would and add like to I it, said. one Go of the ahead. big lessons there is the one elephant. Yeah, sure. But like, it was a pack. It was a herd. Yeah. So like we as men that have our shit together, we need to not just be that individual one-on-one mentor. I think our young men need to get away with groups of old men. Because and build strong community. Yeah. Because you won't always resonate with what I'm saying. And we're very similar people. So there'll be times when one is trying to get through to that younger one and he doesn't need to be busted with the trunk or poked with the tusk he needs to talk into in a little bit different way. And I think by having that larger group of old men, we can get through to more of the youth. And then, you know, the thing is you want our young men to want to grow up and be like the older men. And I think that's a big part of what we've lost is not only do they not have the guidance, they don't want to be like us. Right? When I say us, I don't mean you and me. I mean our generation. Like, these kids that are 22 years old right now, they don't want to be like the 50-year-old men that they think of stereotypically. And it's natural for young people to want to rebel and all. But in the end, I kind of remember a time, and I'm not that old, I kind of remember a time when young men looked up to their fathers and grandfathers and wanted to be like them. And that's what I hope we're restoring. Anyway, See man. that's
1: something unique that's happened for me real quick and we'll, we'll wrap yeah. it up. Um, yeah. I have a 17 year old kid and a 19 year old kid are a one that's, uh, no, 17, 19 and a 21. And they're just like, Hey man, like my dad's not around. I just, you know, how would you do this? Or, you know, one of them's like, my dad's here, but he's just not like you. How do I yeah. do this? You know, like dad yeah. help. And I'm like, well, I'm not your dad, but I'll help you. You know, like I'll yeah. answer the phone when you call, you know, so. Yeah. I Absolutely. think that if we don't like what we have as a society and we don't like where society's going, we need to take a proactive, uh, proactive stance on it and get off our ass and do something to change it.
0: Well, again, let people know how to find your show and let's uh, go ahead and wrap up for the day. Sure thing, man. So, um,
1: Insurgency Knitting Circle podcast, um, on any podcasting app. Uh, you can find me at IKC podcast. That's Indio Kilo Charlie on, uh, Indio Kilo Charlie podcast on Instagram. And then the, um, the other channel that I have is freedom and farm setting. Uh, if you have a question for me, you want to tell me I sucked on uncle Jack's show. Uh, you can email me, (laughs) you can email me at info at ikcpodcast.com.
0: Well, Andrew, I appreciate having this conversation with you today. It, uh, it was really a great one. And with that, we'll wrap up. Thanks to everybody that tuned in today. And, uh, we'll be back at you tomorrow with an expert council Q and a show. Well, fantastic interview. You should definitely check out what Andrew's doing. I'll make sure that there's links to everything on uh, the show notes, like I said. As we wrap up, let me remind you guys you can help support the Survival Podcast and the work that we do by doing your online shopping starting at tspaz.com. I don't have an item of the day for you today. This morning kind of got away from me. I was working on some other things. I actually put out an article about the Lightning Network and some things I think need working on and uh, it might be worth checking out. It'll be in the Daily Mail. Uh, so that's part of why I didn't get a, an item in the day up for you today. But I have over 400 items cataloged, and these are all things I own, I bought, and I'd spend my money on again, or I wouldn't recommend them to you. And even if you don't want one of those things, if you just start your shopping at tspaz.com, that's T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com, If you begin your shopping there, you'll help us out no matter what you buy. But if you rely on my reviews, they're all categorized. Alphabetically, you can see all the categories. You can look through them. Uh, Those things you know you can trust or they wouldn't be there. But, again, just start your shopping there. you help us out. Also, do consider becoming a member of the MSB. The sale that I uh, kind of alluded to, you had to kind of seek it out, is over. Uh, but it's still a great deal. 50 bucks a year is $0.18 an episode. Did you think today's episode was worth two dimes? If you did, consider becoming a member. Then use the discounts and get your money back and actually make a profit on it. That's the way I do business, value for value. On that, remember, if you are a Bitcoiner and you want to start using Lightning, did you know you can actually kind of tip me value for value? And it can be... 18 cents a day or even less you can use something like the breeze wallet b-r-e-e-z uh, you can find that in the app store and uh, you can deposit a little bit of bitcoin on there in the form of lightning and you can actually subscribe you click a little thing on the top and you can see the podcast feature in the menu you can stru- subscribe to tsp on the breeze Wallet. lots of other wallets too that do this now and then you can set how many sats a minute you want to stream and you can set it to like i don't know. You could set it to like one if you want to, and you can literally stream sats in a value for value exchange while you listen to the survival podcast. I tell you that more to get you thinking about what is happening in the world and how it's changing with Bitcoin and remind you that it probably won't happen until I get back from Tennessee. You're getting all rewinds next week. Well, we are setting up a segment or a, a daily show, a show that will be done once a week on TSP and also broke out to something called the Bitcoin Breakout. And I just encourage you, don't turn your back on the single biggest thing to happen from a monetary and technology point in the world in your lifetime, because that's what it really is. Um, if you're going to build a non-brittle life, you can't turn away from the things that are changing that will create brittleness for those who ignore them. With that's been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast.
1: they gonna bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way. A
0: dollar down, a dollar a month, and you'll never have to pay. There's a better
1: way to do this.